Good to see you all. My name is Brian. Yes, I am from, well, from Derry. Uh, well, from Balnehenge outside Belfast. Emigrated to Derry um, back in 1998. I was an estate agent there for a number of years and then went full-time uh, with Cornerstone City Church. And would you believe, four years ago to the day, we handed the church over and we became part of the team at Christian Churches Ireland. And so I spent my time crisscrossing all across the country, uh, helping churches, preaching at churches, consulting with churches. Help, church is awesome. Don't you love the local church? Most of us. Do you love the local church? Come on. The church is the greatest thing on the planet. It absolutely is. And it's good to be here. This is a great church. You're part of a great church. Okay. Take it from me. You're part of a great church. Okay, you really are. This church loves God, loves each other. What do we got? Life-giving and life-changing. Come on. That's who Jesus is. What Jesus is, he does. Amen. That's what he does. He changes lives and he changes people through you. Amen. Isn't that awesome? So I love your, your, your theme for the year, reignite, to reignite things, to get back on fire. And uh, over the past couple of weeks, you've been looking at purpose and passion and so on. Today, I want to look at reigniting generosity. <laughs> oh, I picked the wrong Sunday to come back. <laughs> oh, oh no, okay, but it's okay, okay, it's going to be good, it's going to be all right, it's going to be fine, all right, so it's gonna, we're going we're gonna to have some fun. But before we do that, will we just pray and uh, we'll, uh, we'll just ask God to help us be the great editor of this conversation. And so Father, we just pray today that there would be in this moment, Lord, as there already has been many moments to this point, moments where your presence and your person collide with us. Father, we are minded of the creation story, and I pray this often, Lord, but we're reminded of the let there be light moments, and Father, we even go back before that, and we, we read how your spirit hovered over the chaos, and then there was your word, and it said, let there be, and then there was, and so we see this lovely combustion between your word and your spirit, and what did not exist before took place and happened and formed. And so, Father, we pray today that when we collide with your presence and your spirit with your word, we pray the same thing would happen in this room, but not only this room, but in our hearts and in our lives, Lord, that there would be this lovely collision of word and spirit that would form something within our lives that wasn't there when we walked into church, but something that of substance we can walk out with and change the world with in Jesus' name. And so, Father, this will not be another talk. We will not have another conversation which we will readily forget as we leave. But Lord, this will be an encounter moment where your word will collide with your spirit and will change us forever. And so God, I pray, help us to lean in. Give us the ears to hear what you want to say to us and your church, but beyond that, into Dublin, into Newbridge, into Ireland, and online and around the world as you continue to do what PJ says. You build your church in Jesus' name. And all of open arms said... Amen. Amen. Now, Saturday mornings in our house, by and large, follow a classic pattern. It's well known around Derry that these hands are no good for anything DIY, okay? DIY has been redefined in our house as destroy it yourself, okay? No one comes to me to fix anything, and there is good reason. So to compensate for that lack, I help with the, with the cleaning of the house Saturday morning. I do the vacuuming. Pete, you do a bit of hoovering? I do the hoovering. Anyone have a little note of Henry as a Henry Hoover? You know the wee red fellow with the eyes? and they've got the big nose, the, the kind of thing. Whatever. Well, we used to have a Henry, and I'll tell you why. What happened to Henry, okay? Uh, a few Saturday mornings ago, I was hoovering away, and little Henry was around the door of the living room. He was in the hall, and he wouldn't come in. 
bad boy, all right? And so I thought I'd pull Henry in, okay, by the nose. Ever done that in a bad mood? I don't like hoovering, do you know, right? So the first 10 minutes of doing the housework, I'm in bad form. So this was in the first 10-minute window. And so he wouldn't come in, and I'm like, Henry, be a good boy now. And so I pulled the lead thing or the hose, and it comes right off his nose. Okay, so I'm in the 10-minute window, and I hit my life, okay? And so I'm in the living room, and I had a moment. I had a Hollywood moment to myself, everybody. I sat down in the armchair, okay? There's nothing wrong with my life. I'm, I'm honest, nothing seriously wrong, okay? Apart from the, the obvious, but nothing seriously wrong. And I sat down on the armchair with his big nose, okay? And I said this out loud, okay? Bearing in mind there's nothing wrong with anything. I said, why is everything a fight? And I'm like, what's wrong with me? Why is everything a fight? Do you know what I mean? And this voice goes off in my head. And it goes, that's the whole point of generosity. And I'm like, what? That's the whole point of generosity. And as I began to take that thought and play with it and pray with it, because I, I don't think that stuff on my own. I believe God was beginning to use little Henry there to give me some insight into this talk. And, 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 and I began to think, well, what's it got to do with generosity? Well, it's got everything to do with generosity when you understand that there are genuine people, some of you in this room, some of you online, and certainly people that you know that are actually going through life wondering why everything's a fight. Why is everything so hard? Why does nothing ever seem to work out for me? Why do I get infected and nobody does? Why do my company have to close? Why is it always me? And it is those people open arms that we need to come into as a church and be generous. You see, whenever I announced the talk today was about generosity, we all think it's going to ask for money. Generosity has got nothing to do with money. Generosity is an attitude. It's a posture of the heart and mind. It relates to our time and our talent and our treasure. And what God wants us to know as the local church in the world today, let's learn to be generous to those in our world who are wondering why in their life, everything is a fight. Because when you step in with an, un, you know, an unasked for gift of time or even talent or treasure, whatever it is, it lets them know something. It lets them know that they are seen. It lets them know that their life has value. And do you know what it's like when, you, when you're seen by God, when you're seen by people? It lets you know you've got a future and a hope. And if there's one thing the church is good at, it's talking about the future and a hope. Because we have a hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Come on, we need to be the most hopeful, the most full of hope people there's ever been. Yes? And we are. Okay, and so what makes then generosity so powerful is, is this, and it's a brilliant quote from, from a theologian, a guy called William Barclay, he's an older, he's passed away now, I'm sure, but he said this about generosity, he says, the finest gifts are given not when they are demanded, but before they are asked for. And for me, this is really unlocking the superpower of generosity. How many of us in this room, and if I asked you, and I'm going to ask you right now, can you recall a moment when someone was generous to you? And I'll guarantee it was out of the blue. And you'll know who it was. Generosity. Thank you. And you know what it was about. That's the superpower of generosity. Thank you. That's the superpower of generosity in your life. And what makes this also amazing for me is that it's the heart of God. Because you can't define God in one word. But if we were to try, I'd go forgive her. I'd shoot forgive her. 
In Romans 5, verse 8, it says this, that God demonstrates, God shows. He's a show-off, isn't he? He's a God who wants to show us all the time. He demonstrates. He doesn't just tell us. He shows us his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still broken, while we were still guilty, while we were still all of the stuff, Jesus still died for us anyway. He gave the very best for you and me. Our God is a giver. But it gets even better, open arms. It gets better than this. Because when believers, when church people, when Christians give and are generous from the right motivations, and that's to add value and to meaning and to help people be seen and know they have a future, not only is that a good thing, but the Bible tells us that God blesses the giver to give again. Now, we struggle with this sometimes. But I want to encourage you, you are biblically, legally entitled to be blessed by God to bless again. Is, is that okay? Luke 6 verse 38, Jesus got the guys around him and he says, look, give and it'll be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This is a farming story. This is an agricultural story. You maybe know from the Old Testament when farmers would sow the seed, they'd leave a perimeter of grain so that people less fortunate than themselves could come in and they would harvest the grain left over around the edges of the field. This is what Jesus would talk around. He says they would take a basket. They would get a good measure and they'd put it into the basket. What they would do then to make sure they make more room, they'd press it down. Then they'd put more into it. Then they'd shake it together to let all the air out to make room for more seed. Then they put another measure and fill it so full that it would be running over. They'd take it home and they'd pour it into the lap of whoever was going to make the bread. That's how our God blesses you with a good measure poured in, shaken down, back again and all over your lap. Why? So you can convert what he gives you to releasing blessing onto other people because we're a generous people, part of a generous church in Jesus' name. So if we are, you know, if we, if we have this superpower of helping others being seen, and now we're learning from God's Word that when we bless, we get blessed so we can bless again, why is being generous so difficult for me? I'm going to tell you why. Because I'm a natural born taker. It's better to give than to receive. Rubbish. Oh, I love a good receiving. It was my birthday last week. Last Saturday, and it just comes so much so quickly after Christmas. So I get one zone of presents, and that's it for the rest of the year. I tend to milk it, and it's awesome. I really do. I'm a natural born taker. Aren't you? Oh, no, you are. Say you're in a photograph. You and your mates are in a photograph. It goes up on Instagram. Four or five of you standing there looking fantastic. Who's the first person you look at? Oh, you. Oh, there's still that tiny wee bit of you that goes me first. You're all judging me there. Oh, I'm telling you. I was in a little restaurant, little cafe place where we live just outside there, a little village, bakery kind of thing, does a big breakfast. Uh, yeah, the big one and the small one, you always get the big one. And it was a Friday, it was with a friend of mine, and uh, I was in and I seen two people that I knew work with in Cornerstone, and uh, hello, how are you? How are you? whatever, you know, the usual. And uh, so I'm talking to my friend. And again, I have to stop having these voice moments in my head. I, I need help. Uh, but it says, 
it said, buy those two their breakfast. <laughs> but I'm a taker, Lord. I'm not a giver. And buy their breakfast. And I have to be honest, there was a little mini war just was off in your head, doesn't it? I began to think, well, what did they order? Did they, did they shoot, like, was it Friday? And you know where you're good Monday, you know, I'll be good on Monday, good on Monday, and you get to Thursday and you go, well, I'll do the crisps on Thursday night, and then by Friday, I'll be good on Monday again. And I'm thinking, on Friday, it's fr did they have the breakfast? Well, if they had the breakfast, was it the big breakfast like I just had? Or did they get the small one? And because the diet's out the window, maybe they had the cupcake as well. Was it breakfast? And so I'm thinking, well, big breakfast and coffee and thing time twice. And I'm then I go to my banking app, and I'm trying to think mentally. My friend's talking to me. I'm like, eh, I'm not trying to work this out in my head. And I'm going, what? How much will this be? Whatever. And then I got over myself. And I go to the till and I buy everybody's breakfast, a million pounds, right? And then I, I walk out before they could get catch on. So I didn't want any of that drama and them shimmying over and thanks very much. I didn't want any of that. So I just wanted out. And then I got a few texts later and it was all very, and I have to say, I did go out feeling a bit high. It's like, woohoo! Uh, uh, oh, that's, that's intoxicating, that buying stuff. That generosity is like, oh, it's like cocaine. It's not, I've no idea what that's like. Um, but I imagine it's something, right, I'll move on. When, when we get the nudges by God to be generous, I want to encourage you to shorten the distance from when you get the nudge to when you make the move. Because there's a battle. We begin to think, well, I can't afford to give. And you probably can't. But I want to encourage you in the kingdom of God, you can't afford not to give. Because something's, if you want to measure breast down and shaking over all over your lap, you better start ponying up. Okay, I want to encourage you. Maybe you think, well, being generous is for rich people. It's not. Okay? Generous, Ross, it's for everybody. It's just not true. Richer people just have more stuff that they need to worry about more of. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, nothing wrong with that, but that's what it is. You may think generosity is silly. This is what I thought, actually. I thought, they'll think I'm silly. I began to think, well, I had this thought. This is how deep I got with it. I began to think that they'll think that I think that they're in trouble and they need help. That I'm making a judgment on their social economic standing in that moment. I need to stop thinking less, okay? And maybe you're thinking, well, if, if I give, I'll run out. Not according to Jesus. He's already fell in the basket as you're giving. And then you could think, well, they don't need my help because I look at them on Sundays and I see where they live and I, I look at the coat she's wearing. Look at the shoes. She won't need my help. They I've, look at their car. They don't need. They're loaded. That's not the point. It's not the point. If God puts something in your spirit, it means, you know, for someone, it means he has seen that person in a moment cry out to him, waiting for an answer, and you're the answer. They may not need your money. They may need a text. They may need encouraged. They may need a card through the post, a bunch of flowers through the, the letterbox, whatever it might be, everybody. When God puts someone on your heart, it's because that person's cried out to him, and he wants to use you and your generosity to be an answer in Jesus' name. Come on, we want to be a prophetic church. We want to be a church that hears and sees the will and the words of God. Come on, somebody. Well, then God's speaking all the time. He's, he's, he's a show-off. He demonstrates. He's all the time. And you know what? The nudges you get and you shove down there, come on, let them bubble up again. And let's release them in Jesus' name. Amen.
All right, so let me give you two or three things that's going to help us just to get back into the, the posture and to reigniting our generosity. The first thing is this, that let's relearn to reignite, if you like then, to use the language of the series, the posture of generosity. Let me say this, that forgiven people are forgiving people. That's a good line. For, forgiven people, they, they are the forgiving. We are the for, we're forgiving not just, you know, loving people and saying, hey, we forgive you. We are the forgiving. That's what we do. For God so loved the world that he gave us what we are. The, we are the forgiven people, okay? I want to encourage you today. Do you know what? You've you got to remind ourselves what we have in Jesus, all right? This was a number of months ago. I was actually on my way to preach at, at Newbridge, and maybe September, October. It's a four-hour gig, so I don't drive that in one swoop in the mornings. I did this one because it's a bit closer. So what I do is I'll park at mom and dad's in Balnehens. It's kind of near Newry-ish, county down, mid-down, and then I'll drive down the next morning, okay, and cut the trip in half. And so I got out of the car one Saturday night before coming down to Newbridge the next day, and uh, I bring him a night bag, I got a coat on, I was back in the car, and I was taking the stuff out into my house, and uh, the same mom and dad, they're fantastic, they're great people, and uh, my dad was like this in the kitchen. He was just like a child, and I'm like, what's wrong with him? Does he need the loo? Bless him. Do you know what's he, I mean, you've got two, I mean, just go for it. Anyway, and he, he says, I've got this coat for you, I've got a coat for you, and I says, okay, Mother, it's just humor him, humor him. I've got this. He's been waiting all day for you to arrive. I've got this coat. He says, actually, it's my old coat. I bought a new one, so I want you to have this one. All right. <laughs> Thanks very much. Thanks very much. Anyway, it's this waxy, leathery thing. And he says, right, I'm going upstairs to, to get it to my room. Don't move. Take that other jacket off you. And he's up the stairs, and away he goes, and he shouts down the stairs, I'm getting it, I'm getting it, it's, it's going to suit you. It was dear, you know. I said, right, okay, there it is. You're going to remind me how dear it was, okay. You want money for it? No, 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 no. It's, I'm going to give it to you. It's going to suit you. It's a lovely coat. Where do you see it? Waxy thing. This is down the stairs. He's shouting at me from the bedroom. Down he comes. And I'm 49. He's never dressed me a day in his life. He's taking my other coat off. Take that rag off. He said, put your arms out. And he's dressing me. Whatever. Oh, 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 that looks good on you. That that suits you. That's dear, you know. That cost me a ton of money. I says, yeah, I get it. That's the third time. That looks good on you. I want to remind you today that when you open the Word of God, when you go into prayer, when you come to church, no matter what your days, what baggage you're carrying into the room, we walk into a heavenly Father that says, hey, I've got a coat for you, and it fits you, and it suits you. It cost me, you know. It cost me my son, you know, but it suits you because forgiveness looks good on you. Hope looks good on you. Future looks good on you. Eternity looks good on you. God looks good on you, my son. Oh, one size fits all. You see, when we get that, when we are reminded of what God has done for us and what we are wearing every single day of the week, forgiven people, we are the forgiving people. We can't keep that stuff back. We can't keep that stuff in. We're in a fancy coat. I like your coat doing the announcements. That's a fine banger boat, as we say up north. That's a good coat. That's a nice coat right there. Okay, but it's nothing near what you're wearing in the robe of righteousness with Jesus. Amen. Come on, I like a that's my All Saints leather jacket. I'll fight you to death for that coat. Do you know what I'm saying? But it's nothing to what Jesus puts on you. Because forgiven people, we are the forgiving people. Amen. I want to talk to you. The second thing is this let's believe in what generosity produces. PJs have mentioned it to you. I am the father of quadruplets. 
and I have three girls, and I have a boy, Sarah, Peter, Lucy, Charlotte. That is the order, S-P-L-C. That's how I remember, okay? They were all born the 23rd of June, 2005, between 9.23 and 9.27 a.m. The fastest pivotal four minutes of my life. Oh, you can laugh. You're still laughing. Anyway, when you are having a, a, a pregnancy, it's just my story, but you're having any pregnancy, you're having a quadruplet pregnancy, twins, triplets, whatever, you are blessed to be twin. Um, okay, you, you are, up until that moment, you are looking for signs that things are going to be okay. So the odds for us were 1 million and 12 to 1 against. We weren't on the winning side of this one. And uh, so we began to think, well, okay, well, you're looking at, do you know when you go to the, the doctors and they do the thing with the, the camera, the, you know, the hair gel, they're giving it all a bit of that there. You're, I'm, like, I didn't watch the thing because I couldn't see the, I don't know what that means, but I'm watching him. Don't you? You watch him for every eyebrow, twitch, maneuver, what's he doing? Because everything's a sign when you're like this, it's a high pressure gig. And so anyway, Judith was in bed rest uh, from week 20 or something, feed up. <laughs> anyway, and so she's in hospital full time all the way. They were born at week 29, four days. So she had about a month or two or six weeks of bed rest. So she's in Old Nagelvin Hospital, feed up. Saturday night, I'm bringing chips in. I'm visiting her every day all the time. So the nursing staff are going, hey, you can stay a bit longer. I know visiting time's over, but just you move in. I said, okay. So anyway, we're there. We're talking. I'm about to go probably. Her mobile phone goes off. It's her Auntie Margaret. Her Aunt Margaret on her mother's side, never married, and they've all been very, Judith's mother passed when she was 17, so her aunts and so on got around them, and all very close, phenomenal believers, just all of them, just nuts, incredible people. And so Auntie Mike, she phones in the middle of, of me about to leave. She is a midwifery lecturer. She was a midwife. She was a nursing sister, whatever, now trains in Queens, retired now. And the call comes, and she says, I've just been praying and I've just, and I, but I want to, I've just, I feel God, but I want to make you this offer. You don't have to because I know it's a fairly invasive offer. But what she said was, I will, I, I'll, I'm willing to go into early retirement. And when the children come, I want to help you for however long. Out of the blue. Isn't that amazing? I want to tell you this. Every week. Every week for 15 years, she traveled from Carrick to Derry. It was Sunday night to Wednesdays, and then it got shorter as the, you know the only thing that stopped her physically? COVID. And even then, she's on FaceTime, making apple tarts with the girls. Generosity. Incredible stuff. In that moment, we knew God was up to something. When you're waiting for a sign from God and somebody rings and says, hey, I want to help you with your quadruplets, you're like, okay, you're on. We knew. And we kind of wondered, God, is it okay to actually believe? Would this be okay that the kids are going to be all right? We don't know. We don't know for sure at that moment. But Lord, this is something for goodness sake. And so it was her generosity and what her generosity did. And she was all having the fuzzies and making the call. But in us, faith was rising because of her generosity. We were beginning to praise God. We were beginning to thank God. We were ringing up people going, where do you hear what's happened? Of one person's generosity was inspiring lots 
lots of people's generosity. And here I am, 16 and a half years later, in a hotel room in Dublin, telling you about what generosity of one person can produce in all of us. Generosity has a way of inspiring not only those on the receiving end, but that's what was us, but those in our world. I want Auntie Mag's story to inspire you that your giving goes beyond what you could imagine. Paul writes in the second letter to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 2, uh, forgive me, chapter 9, verse 12 and 13, it says, this service that you perform. He says, look, you've got to know this. It's not only supplying the needs of God's people, but what's happening is, and I love this language, it's overflowing in the many expressions of thanks to God. Isn't it incredible? I love it. The overflowing in the many expressions of thanks to God. Your generosity builds you, it blesses whoever's on the receiving end, but the one on the receiving end will tell about 20 people. And there will be many expressions of thanks to God. We're wondering, how do we reach Dublin? How do we reach that community? Just be generous with the people in your world in this moment, and they'll do it for you in Jesus' name. So I want to encourage you, remember that our generosity produces something. And then, Finally, as this, I want us to understand the power of generosity. I showed this little, little, I suppose it's a necklace really, at the Legacy Conference at Plant in Heaven last Saturday, was preaching. And the chain is not antique, but the pendant is. You probably can't see it. It's sterling silver. And this was my grandfather's. It was given to him, you just see it's kind of old and but whatever. It was given to him in 1923 when he was 11. It's almost 100 years ago. And that, that's hard to believe. <laughs> 1923, it was 100 years ago next year. Incredible. And it passed down to me. And as a result, it's the only thing I have of my grandfather. It came to my dad and then it came to me. So it's an heirloom. Whoops. This is an heirloom, everybody. But not only is it an heirloom, it's a legacy. And what makes it a legacy is the reason for which he received it. He received it for one year's full attendance at his Sunday school. Sunday school presents were good then. So, solid silver. You got coloring in book now. Well done. <laughs> Next. Solid silver. Where did he go to Sunday school? It makes it a legacy. Because 50 years after he received this, I was born. 75 years after he received this, I was born again. And every time I look at it today, I'm reminded that the same God who sat in front of him at age 11 is the same God I serve every day of my life. We've got to make a decision in life, but it hits generosity for sure. Do we want to leave heirlooms or do we want to leave legacies? I want to encourage all of you today, your walk is worth more than your will. And I know we'll all leave heirlooms. This will go to Peter probably. And we'll leave moments and objects and memories and pictures and maybe a few pounds and a 
half a deed of a house or something, whatever, split that between your sister. I don't know what we're going to leave object-wise. But, and that's great. That's sensible. The Bible's full of that, actually, in Psalms and Proverbs. But I want to encourage you, leave a legacy. And the way to leave a legacy is to live a legacy. Live a legacy of generosity. I haven't got this all down yet. I haven't. But the one thing about quadruplets is when you understand this, and believe me when I say this, there is no wee one coming up to get it right with. We had all of them in one go. There was no like wee junior one because you make the messes with the older and you try to get it right with this one. Okay, we had to try and go as far as possible. So we work hard at the dynamic that we have. And I want to get to a place, and I'm not there yet. I might be halfway. It depends on any given mood that you may ask the children on to tell you the truth. How's daddy behaving today? But the reality is I want them to get to a place that when I'm not here, they'll ask this question, what would daddy have done? When faced with an opportunity to give, what would Grand Brian have done? Because I want to be and I want to model something to their lives. Whether it's buying breakfast, whether it's doing something or giving away a car. I gave away a car recently. What was I doing? And it was just coming to this place of learning, of giving stuff away and being generous so they can watch it and model it. Because I want my walk to be worth more than my will. That can extend right across everything in our lives. If we have children or grandchildren or people that are important to us, they're watching. They're watching. Don't mean that in a, in a precious, guilty way. But let's model something for the next generation in terms of our generosity. You have generous leaders in this church. They're worth modeling. But I want to encourage you, model this in your home. Model this in your marriage. Model this when you go to work tomorrow. And you can start small. And Halloween and Derry is a big deal for whatever reason. It's a big celebration. We got the biggest celebration in Europe for Halloween. Go figure. Anyway, we thought we'd walk through it and pray with the dog this year. At, in Halloween past in October. And Ebrington Barracks was an old British army base that's been redeveloped. Peace Bridge, you may have heard of that. And it's, it's fantastic. And so they had this massive like... What do you call them? Ferris wheel things that all led up and amusements and all the thing going on. Lashing, bucketing with rain on Halloween night. Yes. Amen. <laughs> all right. There's always a few hardcore like a bit of rain on Halloween. And uh, we took, we'd walk the dog over. And to get into the site, you had to go through a gateway. And there was these kind of, not guards, but security guys. They were, they were just, they weren't checking anything. We're just COVID, whatever. But it was bucket and it was lashing. And this wee fellow, he was young. He had, he had about 40 coats on. He was that wide. I think he was that thin, but he was just that coat. And he was coated and coated and coated and hats and whatever. And he looked miserable. Miserable, okay? And so we're walking past. And as we're walking past the dog, God starts again. I'm like, you better not want me to buy him breakfast. And he says, no, I want you to buy him a hot drink. And I'm like, this isn't getting in my wick now. This is, getting my, this is breakfast, now drinks. And uh, right, and so anyway, I walked, I walked away because a way to test it sometimes is to let it know if it's just you or, you know, if it lingers and stays. If it kind of hangs around, it's more, it's more God, isn't it? Not that there's anything wrong with buying a guy a hot drink, by the way. Just do it anyway, but you know what I'm saying. Anyway, I, we, we take the dog for a walk up now the quay, come back, and I said to myself, if he's still there, okay, I'll buy the hot drink because he could have moved. So I checked, oh, he's still there. Oh, no. Right, okay. And so I go off to this sort of restaurant that's closed down, but they've opened up a kiosk at the front door where they're serving hot drinks. And the battle goes off again. Maybe he doesn't like coffee. Maybe he doesn't like tea. Does he take sugar? Does he take milk? I don't know what to give him. I'm like, what do I do? I said, soaking with rain. Like, Judas going, even the dog's going, what are you doing? I'm like, right, hot chocolate. Everybody likes hot chocolate. Yes. Yeah, 
right? Everybody except you, like hot chocolate, okay? But then it kicks off again. What about cream? What if, does he want cream? Would he want sprinkles? Would he want the wee marshmallowy things? I says, I don't know. I says, just put everything on, put everything on. And then, does he want, is he hungry? Does he want a biscuit? I'm like, oh, have you anything packed then that I can have to touch in my hands? He said, they're all wrapped. So I got this kind of 15 thing or a coconut. I don't want a macaroon. I don't, I don't care. Anyway, so I put this thing. It was all wrapped, the cup top on it, cream up out the edges. Oh, rain. Anyway, I take it up to him. And a wonderful thing, nothing happened. I want to tell you, he broke down in tears. And how did you know the Lord? And I let him know. I walked up and said, yeah, man, I just, there's a hot drink for you. You look, you know, like I had a hard night. He looked at me like I was from Mars. <laughs> Mars. Like I just got off the, you know, the planet Zorg and just on that spaceship. Like, I said, what? Anyway, I walked past. We got into the car and we drove past him. Well, I want to tell you this. He was knee deep in that hot chocolate. <laughs> I mean, he, he was loving life. He, he wasn't, you know, the man from Mars wasn't too bad after all. He, 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 he was into it. He was into it. Hey, you can, you can start having a generosity, a legacy of generosity with hot chocolate or tea. What do you like? Hot chocolate. Hot chocolate now. There we go. <laughs> He's been converted. Praise the Lord. But start small. Go into work tomorrow. Who can you bless? Think of it right now. Who, who is it there tomorrow? And then do it again on Tuesday. The most important day of your life is the day you're in. Not the day you're born or you find out why. That's important, but not the most important. The most important day of your life is the day you're in, okay? You don't have yesterday, that's over. You don't have tomorrow, but you do have today, and you can make a decision to own your day, all right, and be generous within it. And then if you don't want to have a habit of generosity, just do one thing every day, and by seven days, you'll have a habit of generosity. <laughs> yes? Don't plan your generosity. Just plan to be generous, and then take it from there, and we'll see what happens. Could I have the keyboard? The keyboard? We'll just have a keyboard. I'm going to pray for you. Because we want to ask the Holy Spirit to help us right now to identify some people and places that we're going to be generous in and to. Would that be okay? Hey, come on, let's stand together. We're going to reignite this for real in Jesus' name.